Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 37. My name is Cyrus. I have my buddies Matthew Durgan and Casey Sully here with me today. We are going to uh, get you up to up to speed on some of the latest news around the league, read and react to some of the, the latest happenings. We're going to talk rookie projections, what we think might uh, shake out with the offensive rookie of the year, the defensive rookie of the year, as well as who we might who we think might disappoint out of the rookie class, um, as well as some fantasy tips for you if you're going to have your draft coming up. Hopefully we have a season and we also have fantasy, but we will see. First and foremost, how are you fellas doing today? Doing extraordinary. I'm doing good. I've recovered from the Packers' lackluster draft and I'm ready to roll. <laughs> nice. You've sold yourself on the picks. You feel a little better. You watch some highlights. You know, uh, you're, you're uh, a little more confident in Jordan Love. Not really. I've just tried to not think about it too much and uh, <laughs> forget that it happened entirely. We just skipped the draft this year, I think, is what happened. You know, that's another strategy as well. That You know, I, I thought my draft was heading there with the Eagles, and I think we've, we, uh, we uh, fixed it a little bit on day three. But, you know, we'll see what happens. You can never really yeah. evaluate a draft. We touched on this in the past, um, you know, right after it happens. Who knows? In the next three years or so, we can look back and, and uh, give it a grade, but there's really no surefire way to know immediately. Uh, let's dive in to the first thing, though. We have some news around the league. Durgan, you want to take us off here and uh, hit us with the first one? Yeah, first one, uh, a few days ago, Andy Dalton signed with the Dallas Cowboys, where he is going to be the backup to Dak Prescott. Andy Dalton went to college at TCU, which is just about half hour away from the Cowboys facilities. Uh, it's a great fit for the Cowboys. I thought Andy Dalton would have gone somewhere where he had a better chance of starting. But this way, I think he's going to kind of rebuild his image, take a year off almost, unless he has to play, kind of study film and get ready for a starting job the following season. Uh, but it's a great move for, for the Cowboys for sure, as Andy Dalton probably becomes the best backup quarterback in the league now. For sure. And I think uh, especially with Dak's situation, um, he's franchise tag, but talking about holding out and all that kind of stuff gives the the Cowboys some leverage in that situation of, uh, hey, if you're going to hold out, that's fine. We can roll with a starting caliber quarterback who has a lot of experience, has played in playoff games, although hasn't won one, um, and we can do everything we need to do. Um, so I think it's a great move for the Cowboys. I'm surprised he went there. I'm sort of like you. I thought he would go somewhere where he'd, he'd have a better chance to start, but... Um, Maybe a year off is sort of what he needs and chance where if Dak gets hurt, that team is still totally fine. Yeah. Look, I think Andy Dalton is the definition of mediocrity. I I mean, the dude just lives, breathes, eats mediocrity. He's not going to take any franchise as a starter anywhere that they want to go. So um, it's a smart move on his part. I mean, you're taking a backup role. He's going to make a sizable amount of money for a backup. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of uncertainty in Dallas, so we'll see what happens in the future, but I got to imagine he's not the long-term vision there and they'll probably get a deal done with Dak. Dak is miles better than Andy Dalton. And I don't think anyone would question that, but I mean, the last time that the Bengals won a playoff game was before Joe Burrow was even born. So Andy Dalton didn't get it done in Cincinnati. I don't see him getting it done anywhere else. And it's really not a good quarterback market at the moment. I mean, we see Cam Newton sitting out there, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, I don't think I don't think Andy Dalton really had another option. It was probably be a backup team, you know, somewhere else, or be a backup team on what he probably sees in Dallas as as a solid roster. So, you know, I, I gotta imagine he envisioned himself coming in as a backup and where he might have success, and he probably sees Dallas as a good spot for that, which I don't blame him. But you know, at the same time, 
um, you hope he never sees the field. That's best case scenario. So, I mean, I think you're underselling Andy Dalton a little bit. He, if if he's the definition of mediocrity, he's a top 16 quarterback in the NFL. And to have that guy as your backup is a pretty good get. And for someone that has professed their dislike of Dak Prescott, if Dak Prescott <laughs> is barely above average, then Andy Dalton is not that far behind, and he can absolutely take a team that is loaded at the skill position to where they need to go if uh, Dak Prescott doesn't play the first couple of weeks or if he gets hurt. I disagree wholeheartedly. I mean, you can argue that Cincinnati is relatively loaded, maybe not as good as Dallas, but Joe Mixon is a solid running back. You got A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. I mean, there's there's talent on that team at the skill positions. They just don't have much talent anywhere else. So Andy Dalton is not the type of quarterback that makes people better. He's the type of quarterback that thrives off having better players around him. I mean, I think that's true of almost every quarterback in the NFL, save, save for two or three. What about Russell really? Wilson? What about Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I said almost every quarterback, save two or three. What about Aaron like, Rodgers? What about Tom Brady? <laughs> what about Drew Brees? I don't know that Aaron Rodgers does it. I think it is. Aaron Rodgers has done it. Aaron Rodgers mm. has done it. I don't know. I don't know that he has, honestly. In He's his had career, solid... Aaron Rodgers has not made players better on the Packers. Not, I, not like Tom Brady or Drew Brees does, I don't think. I disagree with that, which is weird. I feel like we should be on the other <laughs> side of this. <laughs> Uh, you have to factor in also Cincinnati might have had the worst coaching staff last year. Uh, Zach Taylor, head coach, absolutely clueless. But his best years with, with uh, Jay Gruden as offense coordinator, who became a head coach at uh, mm-hmm. for Washington. So he, when he's given good play calling and good you know situation around him, he's fine. But kind of like what Cyrus said, I don't think he makes anybody around him better. Uh, but he doesn't have to. I mean, he can make a lot of money rest of his career being a backup or a low-level starter kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick you know he's not gonna be the long-term answer but bring him in a mentor rookie or have him as a high leverage backup in case in this situation like Dak doesn't resign okay you have Andy Dalton in year two in that system so it's a great get for the Cowboys uh Dalton probably is happy because he gets to go home as well which is probably a huge thing for him uh no income tax where he's gonna make at least three million dollars that's the guaranteed money and he has a roster spot, so he's not going to be competing for anybody. Uh, I thought he was going to go personally to the Patriots, which we'll talk about later as well, or possibly the Jaguars and compete with Gardner Minshew, but not a bad spot to be in, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, think, I think you nailed it. I mean, he's 32. He's probably thinking at this point he wants to compete for something, probably looks at the NFC East and says Dallas has a good shot. Um you know, and, and wants to get get a taste of the playoffs and maybe be on the first round. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm not, I don't think it's significant, though, in the grand scheme of things. I think he's not a Cowboy next year. I bet you you would have loved to have him on your team last year. Uh, Maybe, but I don't know that, I mean. I think you, w- I think you beat Seattle if you have Andy Dalton as yes. your backup. Agreed. He's I think we beat Seattle if we had Jalen Hurts as our backup. Oh, no, not the worst pick in the draft. Not the worst pick in the draft. It's not the worst pick in the draft. It's not even close. That goes to Seattle in the first round. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. But you, of all people, understand how important a backup is. And Andy Dalton is um, – we're not talking about him as a starter. He is probably the best backup quarterback in the league yes. right now. And you never know when that's going to play, play an impact on your season. Oh, 100%. I think the backup I think the backup quarterback is arguably the second most important position 
in football behind the first string quarterback. So I have no doubts in my mind. It's a, it's a great signing. I mean, all it takes is one injury to derail an entire season at the quarterback position. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer in the backup quarterback. I, I, I think it's a great move. I, I like Andy Dalton as a backup, but I'm saying I don't think there was a market out there for him as a starter because we were questioning why did he go to Dallas, right? There was a lot of other places that he could go and compete for a job, but I don't think teams view him as that guy, right? So they'd rather take a chance on a, a Gardner Minshew or they'd rather take a chance on a Tyrod Taylor to take them where they need to go um, because we've seen Andy Dalton not do it for so long. Sure, sure. And as just as for some context, uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be making more with his signing bonus than Andy Dalton. That's so, not true. Wow. Jalen Jalen nice. Hurts is Second not making picks. as much guaranteed money, which is what is calculated for the cap. So Jalen Hurts is making around eight million over four years. So that's not the case. Signing bonus for picks forty-two through forty-eight or forty-nine through sixty-four. Is from two million to three million, and Andy Dalton signed a three million dollar contract with some incentives. So uh, Jalen Hurts was pick fifty three, first of all, so that number is not correct. Second so, of all, uh, Andy Dalton, million. I believe, was seven seven million uh, was with incentives for one year. with yes, incentives, yeah. three three million guaranteed. I mean, yeah. yeah, so if you're you're getting okay, you you pay a million extra for for Andy Dalton essentially. But here's the thing to consider: at the same time, I mean, you also have somebody in your system for four years, and if Jalen Hurts progresses, and you know, he will progress. We see what he can do. Well, we'll slow down there. <laughs> you don't necessarily know that. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that says he's arguably the third best quarterback in this draft. But if he progresses at all, that's another trade chip, right? I mean, you have your backup quarterback, and then if he wants a starting opportunity, you can go get your, your second round pick back. So, you know, it's. It's going to be harder and harder to find quality backups. I think in the league right now, there's there's more supply than demand for quarterbacks, but that's definitely not always the case, as we've seen. I mean, you've experienced it when Aaron Rodgers goes out, your season is oh, just sure. dead, like it's I, just over. Yeah. So I'd watch Brett Hundley and that's what Deshaun I'm saying. Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I like the signing, and I hate the Cowboys. So I, I think it's a great move. I'm like I said, I'm I, I, no one knows how important a backup is more than. F- Eagles fans, right? We we have a statue of our backup out in front of the the damn stadium, so <laughs> we we get it. And I I, I think it's a good move because all it takes is one one DAC injury and your season's done. And now they have Andy Dalton, who's at least capable of holding down the fort, you know. In the meantime, so I think yeah. it's a good move, smart move. Jerry Jones has been. I think this might be his best off season in my lifetime. It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of backup quarterbacks, the last quarterback on the market in reality of any value is Cam Newton. Where mm-hmm. is he going to go? I mean, I, I said last year, halfway through the year, I think he retires. I think he doesn't care about football anymore. But if he's going to go anywhere, his options are really, really limited. Uh, I mean, Patriots, Jaguars, like I mentioned, he was tied with the Chargers earlier. But they got Herbert. They want to bring another quarterback and have three on the roster. Who knows? But I don't see a fit right now for Cam Newton. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't think he retires. I think from all the reports that I've read is he's super motivated and working hard and wants a spot. But I think he's probably going to have to wait until someone gets hurt, honestly, because um, it doesn't sound like he wants a backup job. Uh, so if someone goes down early in the season, I think he's the, the first guy someone calls. Um, but I 
I don't know, man. It's like Cyrus said, there's not a, a big market for, for quarterbacks right now. Yeah, it's a little dry, but it is a QB-driven league. I think Cam will probably have to put his ego aside and, you know, just accept that it's a possibility he may not be a starter anymore, right? He could be, but he has to accept that that's a possibility going into a team and compete for a job. It's a QB-driven league. He'll get a job. He'll be somewhere before the season starts. But getting cut after the lockdown happened, after quarantine happened, did him no favors, right? Because now teams are not necessarily looking to bring in new people, especially at the quarterback position where the learning curve is so high. I mean, it's you know how hard it's going to be to get Cam up to date with a with a playbook um, when you can't even sit down in the same room with him? So, you know, and then even, even that, he has to come in. If he's going to be a starting quarterback, he has to come in and win the locker room, right? He has to be the leader on that team, which I have no doubt he's capable of doing. But in a situation where you're not able to be physically present with your team, it's it's a lot harder. So I think I think it's just sort of the perfect storm. Maybe maybe we'd say it's an unfortunate series of events for Cam in this situation. But I've said it before. I know Durgan said he probably should retire. I think he's still got some gas left in the tank. I think I think he'll play somewhere and he'll get a job. It's just a matter of him accepting probably less money than he wants and maybe not a guaranteed starting position. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing hurting him the most with the quarantine is not being able to take a physical for for yep. teams that are worried about his shoulder and his ankle and his his injuries. Yep. Um, so maybe once that is able to be done, he'll he'll sign pretty quickly. Um, but talking about quarterbacks going the backup role, uh, the Bears, to nobody's shock, declined Trubisky's fifth year option, um, and all those decisions went out. I think uh, eighteen or so. Yeah. Options were picked up, and the rest were not, and Christian McCaffrey was extended. So McCaffrey's the first rookie uh, that could have been a uh, fifth-year option that uh, got a, got extended, got another contract. I mean, I get to go to show you, you can never, Cyrus mentioned beforehand, you can never really tell how first-round picks will work out. I mean, most of them didn't get, or not most of them, a good amount of them didn't get their fifth-year option picked up. Trubisky, obviously, Solomon Thomas of the Niners, Leonard Fournette, who went fourth overall. So you had two, three, four in that draft, mm-hmm. not get their fifth-year option picked up. It's pretty crazy. Uh, John Ross with the top 10 pick. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Trubisky, him alone, I think it works out for both sides. I think Trubisky, if he does well this year, if he plays, mm-hmm. he got he's going to earn himself more money. Uh, the Bears, I think they kind of see the writing on the wall, however, and see that he's not the answer, and they want to move on from him in some capacity. So... Now, after this year, you, he's gone. He's a free agent. Do we got to do? You'll still have Nick Foles under contract. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that Nick Foles is the answer either, though. We've talked about this <laughs> yeah, before. I don't know. What are you doing, Chicago? Like, honestly, you should bring in Cam. Have, like, That's, a three-way yeah. battle royale between Trubisky, <laughs> Foles, and Cam Newton and see who comes out alive. Because right now, like, just Trubisky and Foles is not very inspiring. Like, I know we haven't seen a full season of Foles, and he kind of – he, he got hurt almost immediately in, in uh, Jacksonville, but I can tell you he's a streaky quarterback. He is not a guy who's going to take you from, you know, Trubisky to a whole other level. He is probably a lateral move in my mind um, and is a phenomenal backup in the league, but I don't know that he's your light at the end of the tunnel if you're Chicago. Sure. I agree with all those sentiments. I mean, I agree with the camp part. In theory, they could bring in Cam. Obviously, the, this quarantine stuff, who knows what's going to happen. But you can bring in Cam. You can cut Trubisky. 
and pay him through no. the season, and that's it. It's going to be a huge cap hit, but, I mean, if you know for a fact he's not going to be your guy and you like Cam Newton or you like Nick Foles, crazier things have happened. I don't think it'll happen, but crazier things have happened. Yeah, yeah. but why cut him if you got him? I mean, you got him on his rookie deal. Like, you at least have him for one more year. There's but, no harm in it. Let, let's say let's say Cam Newton comes, hypothetically, into training camp, looks like a stud, lights it up, and you know, okay, this is going to be our guy. Like, we want him. You can move off from Trubisky, and it'll cost you less money than you will Foles. It yeah. won't happen. It won't. It won't happen because Trubisky, the guy they drafted, they got to see it through. But it has to be a, a hypothetical situation they have to consider. For sure. I mean, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm sure they've at least inquired or done some due diligence on Cam, and um, I mean, maybe he just takes less guaranteed money if you know due to the injury yeah. concern without having a physical, but. I'm not sure what the situation is, but I, I I think he'll be on a team at some point. There's just too he's just too appealing. Like we've seen, I mean, he's an MVP caliber quarterback at his peak when he's at his best. He's not that anymore. We all know that, and that's fine. But he's better than Trubisky, and he's better than Foles playing right now, assuming he's healthy. Yeah, uh, that, that's true. That's very true. Yep. So if if the deal structure makes sense, he's worth the risk. Yeah, that's what it comes sure. down to. Money and fit. Yep. All right, next uh, piece of news here probably hits close to home to uh, Mr. Casey Sully's heart. <laughs> Brett, Brett Favre talking about Rodgers, and I think this came about with the whole Jordan Love uh, pick. Yeah. But he was predicting that Rodgers will end his career on a different team than the Packers. What say you, sir? Uh, I know it's a big topic of conversation, that the Packers took Jordan Love, and what does that mean for Aaron Rodgers, and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, I mean, I don't put a ton of stock into this, to be honest with you. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers wants to keep playing and the Packers don't want to sign him to another contract, then he'll keep playing and be with another team. I mean, it's not like... I know there's like this strong emotional tie of fans to Rodgers in Green Bay, but... Like, if, if he wants to keep playing and we don't want to give him another contract, then, yeah, he'll be on another team. And uh, if he feels like in two or three years he's done, he'll be done. He seems like the kind of guy that, like, once once he starts tapering off and realizes he can't do what he used to be able to do, he's just going to be done. Like, I don't think he wants to push through and relearn a whole different way to play quarterback and, and that kind of deal. Um, and obviously Favre processed his situation when Rodgers came in differently. Uh, he that fired him up and he wanted to go play for another team and play with the Vikings and get revenge and and all that kind of stuff I don't know that that fits Rogers personality as much I think Rogers will eventually play for a different team uh, unless like you said he kind of tapers off and at that point he, he's a very for better or worse an ego driven guy he knows he's the best and likes being the best so when he starts showing decline I think like you said he'll retire but even in a down, quote-unquote, down year he had this past year, he was still mm-hmm. really good. He was For still sure. one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I still he has five years left of them, I think. Uh, but I think with the Packers, he has about two years left. So yeah. I can see him moving out somewhere. I mean, he's he's almost, not quite, Tom Brady level of celebrity, Hollywood. I mean, you have him, you have Danica Patrick, his girlfriend, wife, fiance, whatever the hell it is. Sure. She's big time <laughs> as well. Yeah. He has the money. He has to place in Malibu. So... Maybe L.A. expand his uh, market down mm-hmm. there. 
be very interesting. But it's kind of, I mean, I think Favre's right, but it's too soon to predict where he's going to go because it's so far in advance. Yeah, I mean, look, it could go the way of, of granted, the Patriots never took someone in the first round. But, yeah. I mean, the Patriots have drafted Jacoby Persett and Jimmy G and mm-hmm. all these guys to back up Brady, and Brady just keeps trucking and keep He's going, playing. and those guys go to different teams. You turn them for picks, and it could very well be that situation in Green Bay, too. So I don't think it just just because we took the quarterback in the first round that it's the end of Aaron Rodgers, necessarily. Like, wh- what happens in two years the Packers make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl? Are you going to move on from Aaron Rodgers after he takes you to the biggest game well, or wins no it? Way. You can't. Un- yeah, you unless can't. He's, he's Peyton Manning yeah. struggling and getting carried to that Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but after 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 the Packers draft class, I don't see that happening. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair you, enough. You you never know, and so that's why it's kind of too early to predict. But uh, I, I see Aaron Rodgers playing somewhere else personally. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't think it's going to be the spiteful kind of play somewhere else deal. No, no. I think it might be. Um, I you know what? Personally, I'll just start with this. I don't think he plays for another team. Uh, I don't. I think he he retires as a Packer. I don't think he follows that far of path. I think he probably learned from that, and we'll see. He'll like you said. He'll have recognition of when he's no longer playing at the highest level. But what I'll say is, you don't move on from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers moves on from you. He's one of the best quarterbacks to play in this league, right? It does not make sense when you have this asset to move on, regardless, unless he has some sort of Alex Smith esque injury and is unable to play it makes no sense in my mind to ever move on from somebody who has been the face of your franchise for over a decade. So going along with that, I just want to talk a little bit. I think what's, what's your GM's name? Brian Gutekunst or something? Brian Gutekunst and LaFleur, they owe Aaron Rodgers an apology and they should be honestly, they should, they should have let him know prior to drafting Jordan Love. They did not talk to him. They didn't say anything. That was one of the things that I think was the biggest. And if he does go somewhere else in spite of this, it's probably because of that communication. I'm sure he feels a little bit slighted, right? He is this team. He's been this team long before LaFleur was there. I mean, he has carried this team to heights that nobody thought necessarily was possible with him. I mean, he made everybody regret not picking him. He did what he said he was going to do when he was picked in the draft. And the city of Green Bay, the organization, the owner, everybody owes him a great great gratitude of debt and i feel like he deserved the respect to be told hey just so you know we're drafting jordan love this means nothing you're a quarterback for as long as you want to be but we feel like it's good value and he's a first round talent and they didn't do that and to for him to find that out and probably sitting there watching the draft expecting some sort of wide receiver support um which never came, which is a whole nother thing. But <laughs> to find that out, you know, publicly, it's just, it's a little disrespectful whether it's meant to be or not. And I think that the organization has kind of wronged him in a way that he feels is probably, he, he probably feels it more than we would see it. And I think if anything, that's what kind of leads to um, him deciding to go elsewhere if the contract, if the dollar amount that they offer him in a new contract is, doesn't match up what he feels he's worth. Um, I don't I don't see him really taking a hometown discount, sticking around. Uh, I mean, there's no arguing he's one of the best to ever play, and I feel like he should be treated as such. To, to, sure. I think LaFleur doesn't owe Rodgers anything. I mean, Gooden cursed, wherever his name is. Gooden cunts. Gooden cunts, 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 cunts. 
Uh, he he's a Packers guy. He was, I believe, he was with the front office for a while. Kind of worked his way up. He was there when they picked Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he was in that same scouting department. Yeah. He's been there for a while. Yeah. But Lafleur, I mean, as we saw this past year, McCarthy catered to Rodgers. I mean, it was a Rodgers first offense, a Rodgers first team. But Lafleur kind of showing last year, he's going to have his style. He's going to have his way. So I think he has zero loyalty, for better or worse, to Rodgers. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, this is his team. He's a head coach. He can't, you know, put all his eggs in one basket on a 35, 36-year-old quarterback. Should they have maybe warned him? Yes. But he didn't have to tell him anything. He's not the GM. He's not the owner. So it's, it's a matter of respect, though. You do have to tell him. It's a matter of respect because what you do now affects the whole season going forward. If LaFleur and Rodgers are not on the same page because of some petty shit, you, you bet your ass it's going to cost at least a win this season or some shit's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, it's. I think synergy um, and having everybody kind of on the same page, building towards the same thing is a little bit underrated, right? We can look at on paper and see this roster is stacked, but we've seen it. I saw it with the Dream Team. We've seen it with a lot of other teams where, you know, Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, that's a good example, right? Stacked. But if people are not on the same page and there's not that locker room presence and um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. If people are not culture, that's the perfect word. If there's not that culture, then I think it's all for naught. So this is something that, in my opinion, anytime you draft uh, a player to back up the most important player on your team at the most important position in arguably all of sports, not just football, but any sport, you need to you need to talk to that person. I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's everything to this franchise. All it takes is a simple hey. I just wanted to let you know we're doing this. It's no reflection on on anything. You're our quarterback as long as you want to be. That's it. And they didn't they no. didn't do it. So it's it's an oversight that I, I think can't be overlooked. I mean I agree with both of you. Like just because you're a, a top tier quarterback doesn't mean you get to have say or be in the room for personnel decisions and stuff like that but all this is the conversation that needs to happen like Cyrus was saying a couple weeks before the draft be like hey we really like Jordan Love if he's there we're gonna take him and that's all you really have to say uh it's just a little bit of heads up a little bit of respect and that's all that's the conversation that needed to happen and from we what we've heard in the reporting that's not what happened so uh Hopefully it doesn't manifest in anything for, for my own personal enjoyment of the season. But uh, I'm sure with a lack of storylines in the offseason, it will only keep growing and festering in the news cycle. Uh, until oh, absolutely. Aaron comes out and says something. But uh, Well, luckily, we'll I mean, at least Aaron reached out to Jordan Love and I think texted yeah. him or called him or something, so that's good. But I don't want to pile on here, but, you know, there was an organization that did draft a backup that contacted their, their starting franchise quarterback and uh, – before well, they, they had a so, whole so. extra day to do it. Oh, so, uh, okay, all right. <laughs> and, and, they, and they drafted a running back, not a quarterback. But moving on. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. We, we now they move. drafted the runner-up for the Heisman behind the best college football player in history. So I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know, do you know who won the Heisman from Oklahoma? Jason White in 2001. Do you know how many NFL snaps you played? Zero. Heisman okay. means nothing for NFL future. Besides the point, moving on to well, a former— he didn't former win the Heisman. A former long-term quarterback moving on, Tom Brady, out in New England, but now Jared Stidham, who was their guy in New England, and apparently the rumor came out that Belichick thinks this guy is going to be the next big thing. Well, Belichick is delusional, and they're tanking. (laughs) 
I mean, I we have no idea what Stidham looks like on the Patriots. Uh, and it's been a long time since we've seen anybody aside from Tom Brady on the Patriots. And if he's the guy, he's the guy. Uh, we've talked about their lack of talent at the skill position, which is going to make things difficult for him. But that's the way you would treat a quarterback that you want to build trust in, right? You don't go take a quarterback in the draft and say, hey, you're our guy publicly and privately, and let's go get it. You're going to have your shot with the New England Patriots and take over for maybe the most famous and renowned quarterback to have ever played the sport. That's true. I mean, but Jerry Stidham looked very good in preseason last year, but obviously preseason is completely different. And I was on, on the bandwagon for a while. The Patriots are tanking. But I think Belichick has so much pride in himself that he's going to try to do as much as he can to win without a superstar quarterback. Didn't do a great job of it in the draft or his offseason of building around uh, Stidham. But I'm just interested because I think he sees a lot of Stidham in, or a lot of Jimmy G in Stidham. And he loved mm-hmm. Jimmy G. Uh, both of them are you know, the most athletic guys. But they're accurate. They get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, kind of similar frame, 6'2", 6'3", bulky. So I'm intrigued, but I'm more so, I don't know how to say as cautious about him saying this because I think he has eyes somewhere else on where he, or on who he wants to have quarterback in the future that's not Stidham. Sure. But you yeah. never say that publicly. No, and absolutely not. Give any indication that that may be the case. And there's zero percent chance that Cam Newton goes to the Patriots. Get yeah, that out there right now. That's no. not a good personality fit. I don't think. Per, yeah, I mean, sch- schematic wise and playing time wise, yes, but I this personality, like you said, no chance. Yeah, I think he's got eyes on Trevor Lawrence, as <laughs> would make you're, sense. You're gonna have to probably be the number one pick, and there's no way that the that's Patriots tough. are bad no. enough to get the number one pick. Well, yeah. okay. Here's what I'll say, though. You you may have to be the number one pick to have it organically, but there's a lot of ways to trade up and, and maneuver in terms of draft. Um, if, if that's their guy, I mean, the, the higher they are, the easier it is for them to get there. So they could get there, and they could get that pick if they wanted it. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy in Jared Stidham that we've seen three, four attempts in the, in the National Football League. We've seen him throw the ball four times and complete two of them. So... There's so many unknowns. It's it's a risk, right? Going out there on the field with a guy who has basically zero experience and had, I mean, a pedestrian college career. It, it was okay. He played for Auburn, I think, for two years, and yeah. before that was at Baylor. But I don't, I don't, I don't think this is the guy. And anything that says otherwise, in terms of media and whatever the messaging from the Patriots organization uh, is. I think it's smoke screens. I think this team realizes they're not in a win-now position without Tom Brady, regardless of what they do at quarterback. Um, so I, I think they're tanking. I, I absolutely do. I mean, I, I think you can argue the, the flip side, too. How could you possibly say they're not in win-now mode when you've never seen Jarrett Siddham take snaps? Just like the flip side of saying, you know, what what the media is or the Patriots are putting out there that they, they can win. How can you say they can't? When you've never seen him play, they've seen him play. They've seen him in practice every day. There's no way anybody can really have an informed opinion on how Jarrett Siddham's going to play. He, he spent a year backing up Tom Brady. Maybe he learned a ton. He has Josh McDaniels, who people think really highly of, uh, at least scheme wise and quarterback wise. And who knows what'll be on the field? I, I, I find it very, very difficult to believe that 
Bill Belichick would ever tank or intentionally yeah. lose or not put the best players out on the field to, to help them win. He has too much pride. He, he could theoretically tank and still keep his job, but he has too much pride in himself and his legacy to do that. Yeah. Whether whether it's a smart choice or not, but I just don't, yeah, like you said, I don't, he just won't do it. Of course he won't do it, but it's going to happen anyways. If we're talking about a fourth round <laughs> pick from last year, like this is not a guy who's highly touted out of college that's waiting in the wings. I mean, there's there's not much to be hopeful. I don't care how much your organization loves this guy. He's basically a rookie at this point. I mean, he's coming in. Yes, you had a year to learn behind Tom Brady. How much do you think Tom Brady was really teaching him? Tom Brady's 40-something years old. He's trying to, going, trying to win a Super Bowl. He's not focused on teaching Jared Stidham shit. It's not happening. Like this, he's going to come out on the field. The Patriots are probably going to go like seven and nine because they're going to they're going to magically win um, games due to Bill Belichick's genius, right? But that division is not getting easier. It's not getting easier. It's getting harder. They're probably the third best team in that division, if anything. Second, look, I, I don't even know if they win the division if Tom Brady is still on that team. So yeah. I mean, that's kind of sure. beside the point. But I mean. It, if you're talking about draft pedigree, like there's no, it's a crapshoot at quarterback. You know what I mean? Like Tom Brady was a sixth round pick, Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Like th- there's nothing that's ind- indicative that Stidham isn't ready or capable because we just haven't seen enough. So we can, you know, hypothesize and guess and try to make informed decisions, but uh, I think it's way too early to say one way or the other. Uh, I agree. Are perform with them. It's definitely early, but that's what we're here to do is hypothesize and guess and shit. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just saying I wouldn't <laughs> feel great if I was a Patriots fan going from the best quarterback of all time to Jarrett Stidham. It doesn't feel great. If I'm a Patriots fan right now, I'm hoping we're tanking. Like that's what I would want for the organization because I want to draft Trevor Lawrence and I want to be competitive as soon as possible. That's that's how I would feel personally. Um nothing there's nothing that says Jarrett Stidham's good there's nothing that said he's bad he says he's bad so we'll have to wait and see like you said but I'm not I'm not inspired I'm not excited going into the season as a Patriots fan if that if I was well we move on now to some somber news uh, yesterday announced the death of former Patri- former excuse me Dolphins head coach Don Shula at the age of 90 he was the head coach of the 1972 team that went undefeated only team to go undefeated in the regular season in the postseason and I think without question he is on the Mount Rushmore of greatest NFL coaches yeah yeah, absolutely uh, definitely a guy that sort of set the tone for culture and from whatever everything that I've heard about him is he he interacted with everybody uh, the same way so even like the janitors in the stadium he would have conversations with them uh, he was really good at team building and building a culture and uh, a winning attitude uh, maybe not known for innovative play design and stuff like that, like a Bill Walsh or anything like that, but uh, a consummate sort of players coach and and guy that people could rally around and, and trusted and, and built a culture down in Miami that was conducive to winning, obviously. 100%. I mean, over, he coached for 33 years, and literally all he did in those 33 years was win. He has, the, I think he holds the NFL record for wins, yep. and it's yeah. 347 games. Two losing seasons throughout his entire NFL career. That's crazy. It's incredible. It's incredible. Rest yeah. in I peace. mean, and, and he won his two uh, Super Bowls without his best quarterback, Dan Marino. So yep. pretty crazy how great of a coach he was. And, yeah, asking his former players. They were showing ESPN yesterday for three or four hours in the morning 
uh, talking to former players, former coaches who coached against Simmer with them. And, of course, there's the highest regards for this guy. And, uh, of course, rest in peace, Don Shula. And one last news from today, my guy, Frank Gore, to the Jets, who's going to rush for 2,000 yards next year. Hot Frank Gore, <laughs> Eagles legend. <laughs> Eagles legend. Yeah. Well, now he's a Jets legend. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's like three certainties in, in everyday life, and that's life, death, and Frank Gore playing for one more year. Yep. So here he is uh, reunited with Adam Gase. He played for Adam Gase in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, reunited with uh, Greg Williams, who put a bounty on him in New Orleans. <laughs> and, it's true. Uh, I mean, think about this backfield a few years ago, Frank Gore and Le'Veon Bell. Like he would salivate over that and two thousand like the twenty twelve like dream team right there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I mean, I think actually the good fit though because the Jets don't really have a uh, per se offensive leader. I mean, you have Sam Darnold, mm-hmm. who's twenty two, twenty three, young guy still learning the game. Le'Veon Bell, he's a headache for better or worse. But I mean, Frank Gore is the consummate professional. Everywhere he goes, teammates love him. He knows how to win. He knows how to behave. So I love Frank Gore. I mean, sure. he's one of my favorite all-time players. Definitely a Hall of Famer. If you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, you don't know football. Yep, he does it the right way. He's got like all the volume stats, and there's something to be said about longevity. Yes. And he's been playing. It reminds me of a lot of Jerry Rice in that sort of category. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the toppest tier of athlete, but understands his position super well, durable, shows up every day, is a, is a professional, and, and gets the job done. Uh, and that's what he's done for his entire career. And his son is now a freshman in college. Yeah. So if he holds out a couple Ooh. more years, Frank Gore Jr. Yeah. That yeah. would be amazing. I hope that happens. That would be I wonder I, if that's ever I, happened. I there's no way. In NFL. I mean NBA I can see it a little bit. NFL, there's no way. That's I mean yeah. so crazy. Yeah. I mean the crazy part about Frank Gore is he had two ACL surgeries before he even got to the league. Mm-hmm. So there's like durability oh, yeah. questions. And the guy had one of the lowest Wonderlick scores ever because he has some severe learning disabilities, and yet he's regarded as one of the highest IQ running backs of all time. So, yeah. I mean, Frank Gore can do no wrong in my eyes. For sure. He's probably the most durable player in our generation. I have to. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of anyone else. Brett Favre. Than Brett Favre, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, Brett Favre's not playing running back, like, when I look at the position yeah. difference. Frank I mean, Gore he, is a, he tried to sometimes. But. Oh, he tried to, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Frank Gore is not a—he's not like a elusive type guy. Like he'll, no, he'll no, yeah, no, you're, you're totally you. right. And the yeah. fact that he's played—I mean—and without any sort of injury issues, considering what Durgan said about his ACL issues, like that's phenomenally—that's not the right word. It's incredible, I guess. Is the, yeah. is the word? It's so. I like the signing. I mean, Frank Gore. Anywhere, any locker room you bring him into, he's a consummate professional. He's going to elevate that locker room. He's, I'm sure, he's a, you know a great leader. So, um, you know, maybe he'll turn the right the ship in uh, New York. I saw some Jets fan ragged on him. Oh, our backup running back's not going to be able to play special teams. Yeah, he didn't play special teams, but I guarantee you, if you told Frank Gore to go out there and play special teams, he would go out there he and would. do whatever. Yeah. He'd be a kicker if you told him to. He's just a football player. Yeah, love that for guy. Sure. Okay, so right. we'll move on. Cyrus, want to take over now? It's all you, man. Let's do it. So let's talk about rookie projections. We talked a little bit about the draft last uh, last week, who we thought was winners and losers from a team perspective. Let's dive into the players, who we think might have a good shot at offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, and who we think might be poised to disappoint, meaning that the expectations might be a little too high um, in where they're at, and, and uh, they probably won't live up to them. So first off, offensive rookie of the year, 
Casey, we'll start with you. Who do you think has a good shot and why? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jerry Judy with the Broncos. Uh, you're getting Drew Locke coming back for his second year. Got some starting experience last year. He's not going to be the number one guy. They got Cortland Sutton and uh, a pretty good running back with Philip Lindsay and then Melvin Gordon. And that offense all of a sudden looks like it's got a little spark. And uh, I think he might get a lot of targets. Drew Locke likes to sling that ball deep and has a big arm. And I, I think it's a good situation for him to go into. And I think he has a good chance to, to put up some, some good numbers. All right. Yeah. I agree. Jerry Dewey's going to be a stud uh, very, very quickly for the Broncos. I went with Jonathan Taylor, running back for the Indianapolis Colts, drafted in the early second round. Uh, they have Marlon Mack in place, but he's a free agent after this year, and he did have a, his first 1,000-yard rushing season. But mm-hmm. I think they kind of see the writing on the wall that maybe they don't want to pay a running back big money. So I think they're going to give a lot more touches to Jonathan Taylor than Mack. And John Taylor is going to be perfect for this game. Great offense line in front of him. Yeah, Philip Rivers now, who is a upgrade over Jacoby Brissett, but that doesn't mean that they will pass the ball more. I think they'll be a run-first team, and Jonathan Taylor towards the end of the year is going to really take off. And uh, I think probably the last half of the year, he's going to really, really be the star uh, for the Colts. And I think he has a good chance to rush for 1,000 yards. All right. Oh. Well, I'm going to follow suit there with the same position, and I'm going to say Clyde Edwards-Alaire, running back out of LSU, now on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think, honestly, he is one of the most electric players in the draft, and I think he comes in and will thrive under Andy Reid in this offense in which he'll have tons of space, get the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a pass-catching threat as well. He's 5'7", he's a little small, but he's also 207 pounds, so he's no slouch. I mean, he will he can run between the tackles, he can, he can take it outside. I, I like his style, I think he's a perfect fit for this Kansas City offense, um, and I think he usurps Damian Williams relatively quickly. May not come in as a starter, but I think he ends the season as a starter for sure. Yeah, I think that's going to be his biggest task, uh, finding off the the, the reps that uh, Damian Williams will get and making sure yeah. he has enough uh, touches to, to get so, himself in that conversation. What I will say, I think any other under re- regular circumstances, I think he beats out Damian Williams in camp. But with mm-hmm. all the uncertainty around right now, I think a lot of teams are going to go into the season with players who are familiar with the playbook. Um, yeah. And that will be the primary reason he starts the season as a backup. Otherwise, I think he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, he ran at kind of a disappointing 40 time, but he was explosive in every other drill, in broad jump, vertical jump, which is more important in my opinion. When you're looking at running backs, you want to focus on that 10-yard split, breakaway speed, how many opportunities is a running back really going to have for that? I want to see my guy hit the hole hard, get those five yards, uh, drive it down the field. So I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a phenomenal fit. I'm excited for that team. I mean, the rich get richer. For sure, for sure. Let's uh, let's move on to the other side of the ball now. Defensive rookie of the year, Casey. You want to start us off with your pick here? Yeah, I'm going to give you guys a little a little spicy hot one. Okay, I'm going to go with Patrick Queen, which the Packers had taken, but they didn't. But the Ravens <laughs> took him, and <laughs> uh, they they signed uh, Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf. And that front is going to eat up blocks and let Patrick Queen get a lot of tackles, make a lot of plays. Uh, he's athletic and can go sideline to sideline. And he's good at run fits and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think he goes into a situation that's really going to benefit him 
uh, where he has pieces around him, where he's not like the lone dog out there trying to eat against other big dogs on offense. He's uh, a guy that's going to have some help, and that's going to open up him to make plays for his team. That's going to give him a lot of volume stats. And ultimately, when we look at defensive rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, I think a lot of people gravitate to those. Oh, they had like four forced fumbles and three interceptions and 100 tackles. Like that would win you defensive rookie of the year, I think. And I think those are all reasonable stat lines for him to to get with the pieces around him. Yeah. Yeah, Patrick Queen's a stud. He's going to be a good player for them for a long time. Uh, I took the easy route. I went Chase Young. By far the most talented player in the draft. Most talented defender. Also, the Redskins' defensive line is probably top five in the league, to be honest. Uh, you got Matt Idonitis, Jonathan Allen in the middle, Montez Sweat, second rounder last year. Also, you got Ryan Kerrigan, who is a veteran who's been there forever mm-hmm. on the edge. And I think the X factor in all this is Ron Rivera. He's a defensive-minded coach and a good one at it as well. So even if Chase Young does get double-teamed, they'll be creative. They'll run stunts. They'll line them up in different uh, spots across the defensive line on third down. So I'm intrigued to see what happens with them. And is this too easy to pick them, to be honest? Totally agree. Um, I'm going to follow suit almost in exact fashion. I think <laughs> the, it's, it's, I mean, it's just too obvious on the defensive side of the ball. Like Chase Young is probably the best edge rushing prospect I've ever seen personally. Um, I come out of the draft that that's what I mean. But I'm, I, I mean, I got to pick Chase Young. Like I think he even has the, the potential to be defensive player of the year this year in his rookie season. So he's, in my opinion, better than Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa was in that, in that conversation last year um, briefly. Uh, but this guy, you'll see him ball out for Washington. I don't know that Washington's offense will keep up with that defense, but that defensive line is good. Durgan said it. It's it's quietly top five. It's definitely up there, though. I mean, it's 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 a good defensive line. Chase Young will feast. I think double digit sacks in his first year. The one thing that holding him back, like you said, is his team and the offense in particular. I think they'll be losing a lot of games, which means teams mm-hmm. will be running against them. So if there is one thing holding him back, that that's going to be it. True, but he'll also be yeah. on the field a lot more. Oh, yeah. I don't know that yeah. his offense will move the ball efficiently. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. Um, they, he, they may he may have to be a run defender more than a pass defender. And he's very good at that as well. He's not just a pass rusher. He's really good in run defense. So it's not yep. like he's going to be a one trick pony. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So who do we think might disappoint in their first season? Not necessarily a bust. Not necessarily saying that they won't be good ever, but you know, coming in with maybe a little bit of hype and may not may not live up to it. Uh, I am going to go with another guy that I wish the Packers had taken. I know this is in <laughs> the disappointment category. I'm but sensing a theme, Casey. I'm going with Denzel Mims with the Jets. And it's not because I think he's a bad player. It's because I don't trust the coaching staff there. And Adam Gase has never really been a guy that gets the most out of his receivers. He left Miami, and then Devontae Parker exploded onto the scene uh, this last year for over 1,000 yards and like eight touchdowns. Film breakdown on him coming out in a couple weeks, by the way. Uh, So I just don't know that he's going to get the most out of of Mims. And when you talk about the Jets and Sam Darnold, you say, oh, Sam Darnold's a guy with a lot of potential. But it's his third year now. Like, you're supposed to have sort of cemented yourself as arrived as uh, an NFL quarterback, especially with the 
the draft pick that they they used on him. Um, so can he get some solid numbers? Absolutely. Is he gonna be a world beater? No, but he was also not taken in the first round, so you're not necessarily expecting that. I'm just saying that I think uh, if he went to a different team, he he would have a, a better chance at success than he will with the the Jets. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a make it or break year for my guy Sam Darnold. Uh, no. I went with kind of same reasons you did it, but I said Isaiah Simmons. And it's not a knock on the player at all. I think he's going to be a good player for a long time. But the fit is terrible for him. Uh, Arizona, I'm not a huge fan of their defensive scheme. Uh, Vance Joseph is their defensive coordinator, who people seem to like. But he's never really had any proven track history of being an effective defensive coordinator. Also, they run a 3-4. And I think they're going to have him play middle linebacker in a 3-4, which is not what he should be doing. Middle linebacker and a 3-4 typically are more mm-hmm. stout running back or linebackers who are focused on getting the ball uh, in terms of running and shutting down that way. And he's more of a hybrid safety, weak side uh, linebacker role. And third down, he'll be fine. He'll be good in terms of pass coverage. But on ESPN, the whole draft, oh, yeah, he's going to be a guy that shut down Kittle. Okay, Kyle Shanahan is smarter than Vance Joseph. He's going to find a way <laughs> to get Kittle open. Like That's, that's not a thing. You can't pick guys – to shut down a single player. Uh, and, I mean, I think as he gets bigger, if you want to play linebacker, he's going like, to bulk up a little bit. He'll be fine. But in his first year where he's going to be playing middle linebacker in a 3-4, uh, where he played safety two years ago with Clemson, this past year is more of a weak side middle backer where he's kind of able to roam free. And he won't have that luxury uh, in Arizona, I think, to be a learning curve for Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, I agree. Um Mine is Joe Burrow, I think, will disappoint. Not long-term, but I think that the hype surrounding him is higher than I can really remember any quarterback maybe outside of Andrew Luck. Um, And I don't think he's in a situation in Cincinnati where he can immediately live up to it. That's not to say that that franchise can't turn around and Zach Taylor can't turn it into a winning franchise. I mean, I think they're on the right path, and he has his guy now to move forward with, but... I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect this to be an overnight solution in essence. Joe Burrow will still need time to develop regardless of how good of a season he had in at LSU. Um regardless of how amazing of a college career he had um mainly in his last season, but he'll need time as would any rookie quarterback. Um I can't remember a quarterback to come in and immediately play at at their ceiling. It just doesn't happen. So I think Joe Burrow comes in and the expectations will outweigh his ability initially. I think we come on, we see him come on a little late in the season. And then once he gets adjusted to the speed of the NFL, we see who he might, we see glimpses of who he can be. And then, um, you know, a few years down the line, he becomes a, a great quarterback. But right now I think people are viewing him as the Messiah at the position. And I don't think he lives up to that and will not in his rookie season be able to. So that's my, yeah. my take on that. I mean, look, the Bengals are not in a position to compete for a playoff spot right now. So if that's the expectation, he's going to disappoint for sure. I think you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of expectations, and people are treating him like he's a cure-all, but uh, he's still going to be a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Vegas has the odds for the worst teams tied with the Jaguars and Bengals. So, <laughs> I mean, you're right, though. He has been hyped up, and like he's supposed to be the savior of this franchise, but... 
it's not going to take one year. It's going to take two, three years to figure it out. Absolutely. Let's uh let's move on now. Let's dive into a little bit of a fantasy take on the on things. Who we, who do we think might have the most impact as a rookie um, from a fantasy perspective this year? Casey, let's start with you. Well, as we just discussed, Durgan says two or three years for for Joe Burrow, and he might not reach expectations this year. But I, he's my fantasy rookie for the year. And if you play dynasty fantasy football, I think you're going to probably want to take Joe Burrow because the skill group around him right now. Uh, A.J. Green, who didn't play last year, should be fresh, one of the best receivers in the league. John Ross, who has a ton of potential. He he got 500 yards quietly last year. Uh, I know he had some hot. flashes. He came on hot. He did. Yeah. And they got Tyler Boyd, who had 1,000 yards last year, and they drafted T. Higgins. And then you throw in Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard in the backfield. The issue is that offensive line. So if the offensive line can improve or uh, get to, to be average uh, – look out because that offense can score whether zach taylor can scheme stuff up i'm not sure because they didn't have a a really a complete team last last year um a lot of issues at quarterback with andy dalton and uh i don't even remember who they were playing for a while it was some rookie i think oh the the jeff driscoll is that the guy Uh, no 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 that was that was uh ryan ryan finley ryan finley yeah it was finley yeah yeah uh, so I mean, there's you're a little hamstrung there when you're an offensive coordinator working with that and a and a bad offensive line. So now that they've sort of got all the pieces back uh, and a real quarterback with with Joe Burrow, I think they might be able to put up some fantasy numbers for sure. They'll also be losing a lot. Sammy's so, I mean, a lot of garbage yeah, time coming points. from behind. Exactly. You know? I rolled with Cyrus's boy Clyde Edwards Alaire. Uh, I think from a running back perspective. He's gonna get a lot of catches. So if you're in a PPR league, half point PPR, full point PPR, this is a guy you want to target because he might not get you know, McCaffrey type numbers, but mm-hmm. the Chiefs run a lot of screens. So yep. he'll get a lot of uh, touch of that backfield for that alone. Also, he's a big play type of player. So I think if anybody's gonna draw up a big play, it's Andy Reid. Uh, from running back perspective, a layer. I mean, I, I sung the praise of Jonathan Taylor early, but he's not getting any catches. He's going to be essentially, you know, run the ball off the middle, get four or five yards, goal line back situation. But Clyde's Edwards Alaire, pass the ball a lot, a lot of screens, a lot of option routes, a lot of angle mm-hmm. routes. They'll get creative with them. And also, he caught 50 passes last year with LSU. So we know for a fact he can catch the ball. And Andy Reid even went as far as comparing to Brian Dawkins. So he obviously is a plan for him obviously knows what he wants to do with them. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I think he's going to be a, a, a – I wanted to pick that one too. I, I'll let you have it, but I totally <laughs> – I think he'll, he'll be a good pick. And as we know with fantasy, running backs are sparse, right? So finding a rookie might be the key to your fantasy season. Um, and with that same theme, I'm going to pivot here a little bit. And by pivot, I mean I'm going to stay in the exact same lane that we're in and say J.K. Dobbins, running back for Baltimore out of Ohio State – um, no team runs the ball more than Baltimore does. If you can get J.K. Dobbins a little bit later in the draft, I think it's an incredible steal. All it takes is one tweak of Mark Ingram's foot, knee, whatever it may be, and you got yourself a number one running back. I mean, this is a guy who had 301 carries last season for Ohio State. Um, he's a bell cow. He will get carries. Even with Mark Ingram healthy, he'll get touches. This team runs the ball so much. I mean, last year, Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson both had 1,000 yards. So... There's a lot of opportunity there. I like this fit. 
for Baltimore, and I think it'll be a good. Uh, you don't want him. You don't want him as your first or second running back, probably, but f- maybe flex or on the bench. J.K. Dobbins is going to be a great pickup for you. For sure. Agreed, hundred percent, hundred percent. All righty. I think that is wrapping things up here, fella. Fellas, I should say. Um, <laughs> that's going to do it for episode 37. We greatly appreciate you guys tuning in and sticking with us. Um, check us out online, weeklyspiral.com. We have a lot of great content coming up. All our social handles can be found up there, as well as uh, links to previous pods. If you're interested, now that we're in the off season, there's some draft content you can check out. Um, and here are thoughts. We had an interesting argument on Jalen Hurts last week. If you're curious, you can check that out. Uh, but yeah, do you guys have anything coming up you want to plug real quick as far as content on the blog? Uh, Juju S- Smith, who now I can't speak. Juju Smith Schuster, that's a tongue twister a little bit. Uh, <laughs> blog post coming out on Wednesday, the 6th of May, and I'm working on some video breakdowns that'll be in YouTube form. So stay on the lookout for that. Those will be out in a, in a couple of weeks. I got a quick nice. recap of the Dallas Cowboys stupendous draft that's already up online it came out today tuesday cinco de mayo check that out and why i think it's the best class they've had since 2016 all right that's not too far from now but okay so with that this has been a weekly sprawl production bringing you fresh football every week we greatly appreciate you staying with us weeklysprawl.com check us out and we will catch you guys next week for episode 38